In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Today is the last Sunday in the season of Easter. Easter gives way this Thursday to Ascension, which is both a day and a ten-day season. Ascension looks forward to Pentecost, which gives way to the season of Trinity, which brings us back to Advent and the anticipation of Christ's coming. The movement of the calendar reflects our experience of living, as Hebrews chapter 1, verse 2 says, in the last days. Time is always moving forward towards the telos, or completion of all things in Christ. The study of the last things is called eschatology, a fancy word which means literally the study of the last things. The word is often used in the context of predictions about when the world will end. Someone who claims to know prophecy connects some current event or leader to some image in Ezekiel, Daniel, or Revelation and claims that the end is near. In the Bible, false prophets were supposed to be stoned. In our time, they just write another book. Genuine eschatology is not about predicting when the current age will end. It is about the proper way of understanding time, how the present moment connects with the past and the future. The Bible presents a unique way of looking at time. It teaches us that the events that are the center and pinnacle of human history have already taken place in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jesus fulfilled the Torah and brought the old covenant age to an end. We will soon celebrate Ascension and Pentecost, events which mark the beginning of the new covenant age. Certain truths characterize this age, our current age. Jesus is Lord. He reigns over the world from his throne in heaven. Through the presence of the Holy Spirit in the world, Jesus is doing the work of new creation. He is, as Revelation 21 says, making all things new. Jesus is Lord and is doing this work despite all appearances to the contrary. Remember, Good Friday did not look like the beginning of the new creation either. As 2 Corinthians says, quote, Our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. We are now waiting for Jesus to come and complete his work. As 1 Corinthians 15 verses 25 and 26 say, quote, He must reign till he has put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that will be destroyed is death. 
we experience time in terms of what Christ has done in the past to fulfill the covenant. What Christ is doing in our lives right now. And what Christ will do when he comes again in glory. Every feast of the church reflects this threefold experience of time. In Eastertide, we celebrate the past event of the resurrection. We experience its power in a new way right now. And we anticipate our own bodily resurrection on the last day. Past and future continually meet as we encounter Christ right now. This experience of time gives time its true meaning. Time is the arena in which we celebrate what God has done, what God is doing, and what God will do. As Revelation says, chapter 1, verse 8, quote, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is, who was, and, is, and who is to come, the Almighty. As we root and ground our lives in this experience of time, we grow in our experience of peace and joy, which are promised to us in today's gospel. We increase in faith, hope, and love. However, when we allow our experience of time to be narrated instead by cable news, internet, Facebook, Twitter, or the hot-button issue in the political campaign, we experience time differently. We come to believe that everything depends upon the, as our colleague last week said, unruly wills and affections of sinful men, rather than by the one who alone can rule over them. The past becomes the arena for regret or nostalgia. The present becomes a time for anxiety and discontentment. The future becomes a cause for fear and false hope. And false hope leads to anxiety because deep down we know it is not rooted in God's word and will not come to pass. Now, experiencing time in terms of what Christ has done, is doing, and will do, does not eliminate our struggle. We still have to find a new job or struggle with issues in the job we have. We still have to pay the bills and deal with difficult people and afflictions. Our faith is not an escape from suffering. Rather, faith gives meaning to our suffering. As we bring our suffering into the kingdom of God, our pain participates in the cross and produces new resurrection life. The suffering of the world is the pain of death, 
in Christ, our suffering becomes the birth pangs of the new creation. We bring our suffering, our tribulation, into the kingdom through our prayer. In the gospel, Jesus promises us, quote, Whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. Prayer is sometimes viewed as a way to get things. We pray for something. But prayer is not a means to an end. Prayer is the end. When the first humans sinned in the garden, they lost their prayer. Guilt, shame, and fear separated them from God's presence so they could not talk to him. They hid from him in the bushes. Christ died for our sins. He has taken away our guilt, our shame, and our fear. He has restored our prayer. Now we can live in communion with God. And in this relationship of communion, God provides for us through our prayer. Sometimes we are suffering. And the answer to our prayer is we discover God's strength in our weakness. Or God reveals himself to us in a new way through our participation in the cross. Sometimes life is filled with good things and our prayer is turned to thanksgiving for God's gracious gifts. But whether we suffer or whether we rejoice, the main thing we get from our prayer is the experience of God's presence with us. For if God gave us the things we asked for but withdrew his presence, what we got would become a source of misery. But if we lack certain things we want, and God is with us, we still have life, meaning, union with God, and hope. As we continually experience God's presence and provision in new ways through our prayer, our hearts are filled with joy. Quote, ask and you shall receive that your joy may be full. And God gives us his peace. Jesus said in the gospel, quote, These things I have spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. This peace is not the absence of trial, for Jesus said, quote, In the world you will have tribulation. God's peace comes from the sure and certain hope that our tribulation in Christ will lead to our participation in his glory. In the epistle, St. James exhorts us to be, quote, doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving ourselves. And then he gives us an example, quote, pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit the orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. This pure and undefiled religion is the fruit of our prayer. As God meets us and provides for us 
in our places of vulnerability and need through our prayer. We develop the natural impulse and ability to be with others in their places of vulnerability and need. For in Christ, we are all bound together in the fellowship of Christ's sufferings, as Philippians calls it, and in the joy and hope of resurrection that that tribulation is producing. We often think of charity as giving money, but time and relationship are more valuable things to give than money. Pure and undefiled religion is to be with others in their tribulation as Christ is with us in ours. Pure and undefiled religion recognizes what we might call the eschatological dimension of the needs we see. For Christ comes to us through others. Jesus said, quote, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. Thus, the needs we see and the time we have become opportunities to love in the present, in the light of what Christ has done for us as we wait for Christ to come. We realize that needs are gifts that reveal to us the true meaning of time and bring us back to Christ. Therefore, as we live through this unusual season of time, let us focus on the true meaning and purpose of time. Let us keep our focus on what Christ has done to save us, what Christ is doing in our lives right now, and what Christ will do when he comes in glory to complete his new creation. Let us devote ourselves to prayer and good works, activities that give time its true meaning. Let us remember that Jesus is Lord even of the seemingly uncontrollable things. He was Lord when first century leaders put him to death. And he is Lord now, no matter what current leaders may do. He is able to accomplish his will in the world and in each of our lives. Through this season of time, as Philippians 3.21 says, quote, by the power that enables him to subject all things to himself. As Jesus said in the gospel, quote, These things I have spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have conquered the world. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost.